are listening to the Wayne County Community College District's Critical Conversations podcast with host Ed Clementi. Welcome to Wayne County Community College District's Critical Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Ed Clementi, and today we have with us Carla Walker-Miller, founder and CEO of Walker-Miller Energy Services. Welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. And... If you could give your elevator speech for us about what you do, we would appreciate that for all of this nation. Sure, Ed. Our company is an 18-year-old energy efficiency services company, and I like to say we change lives through energy efficiency. We are very um, committed to speaking and preaching the energy gospel and the impact of the energy burden, especially on moderate and low-income families, can't be overstated. I like to say that when you add the cost of um, electricity, water, and gas, and transportation fuels to a regular family's income, it significantly impacts their ability, uh, the way they are able to live their lives. So we really make a difference. Energy efficiency is a little complicated to most folks. Well, what do you tell people when you give your elevator speech about what you're covering? We help families in Michigan and other states save energy and save money, impacting their families' bottom line. All right. Yeah, I think people understand that part of it. And I know you, you're an engineer, but surprisingly not what people would imagine, not an electrical engineer. You're what kind of engineer? Yeah, my degree is in civil engineering. But my first job, and from then on, I've been electrical engineering. I've been uh, practiced in the electrical industry for my entire career. Where'd you go to school? Tennessee State University in Nashville. Can you get a shout out for that? Of course. Uh, TS, 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 U. Thank you. We, uh, <laughs> we appreciate that. You know, you do this job now. Are you from Detroit originally? I'm originally from Nashville. Oh, really? Okay. So Transplant. Well, when do they quit considering you a transplant? I don't know. I stopped considering myself a transplant probably after about four years when my, not just my body, but my heart became part of Detroit. So do people think you have an accent a little bit? I still do a y'all and a drawl every now and then, so I still have a bit of an accent sometimes. One thing I probably always ask, I guess, is like, what's not on your resume that people would be surprised to know about you? The thing that I do bring out sometimes is I'm a hypersensitive person. So every conversation, every debate, every argument, I can actually see both sides, both points of view. And it uh, puts me in an interesting emotional position. And when you talk about uh, sort of your energy efficiency, the, uh, you know, you said 18 years, what, what got you to go out on your own shingle or you obviously with a bigger company original? Absolutely. I was with the uh, company that at the time was $30 billion. It's probably $80 billion uh, right now. But I was in um, the 80s business culture in corporate America, and I did not jail. <laughs> so uh, eventually, I had to uh, start my own business to be seen the way I saw myself and see myself now as a, a leader with a contribution to make and a person that really cares about people and thinks that um, culture is everything. Yeah, I mean, I, I think everyone that's successful that's an entrepreneur probably has that break-even point where they realize that, like Bob Dylan's song, the, the, the waters are flowing over your head, and how do you change at that point? 
because you saw something, obviously, the corporation didn't see at that moment. So what was it for you that sort of made you shift? Uh, the, um, the times. It's amazing to me in business how, um, how important timing is. And in the 80s, I was the same person, basically, that I am now. But now the times have caught up with me. Now being diverse is a benefit and acknowledged benefit in business for uh, drives diversity of thought and more informed decisions. Um, everything about me at this point is more acceptable now than it was in 80s and 90s business culture. So uh, I, there was no viable path forward for me in corporate America for success. So we, uh, with God's grace, we were able to create one. So do you think it was more from the diversity angle of being a woman or being African-American or what was the bigger hindrance you think at that time? Comfort is a hindrance. People like to do business and um, work with people they're most comfortable with. And we are most comfortable with people who are like us. And I was very different than most of the people in energy and in engineering. Sure. <laughs> so as you've adjusted here in the Detroit area, you said you've been here how many years now? 28. 28. Um, Have you been involved at all with some of the turnaround that's been going on? Does does that affect your job at all? Is this like proving to be a hidden bonus all of a sudden? Uh, It's been more like a roller coaster ride than a hidden bonus. Uh, As I said early, after I moved here, Detroit became a part of me. So uh, when Detroit was at its lowest, I think that our hopes and our spirits were at their lowest. And now that Detroit is coming back, we are all very much encouraged, even while we're aware that the comeback has its own challenges as far as equity, um, and uh, the comeback has its own challenges, and we're working through those. But it's a, it's a great time to be in Detroit. So if you had a pie chart of percentages, what percentage of business is probably in, like, is it Southeast Michigan or just specifically Detroit? Or? So if I had a pie chart, of my business is in Southeast Michigan, with about 30% of it being in Detroit. Okay. Um, But so then you do a lot of other stuff, too. We do. We do. We're doing business with uh, utilities uh, outside of the state of Michigan. We have offices in Illinois and in Ohio. Our focus is on building energy efficiency. So residential and commercial buildings are where we really are able to affect people's pocketbooks. Yeah, Governor Snyder um, made quite a few changes, and I think many of them were improvements in uh, the energy landscape, uh, basically by focusing on um, reliability uh, and affordability, which are are always huge elements. Give give someone a real-world example of what you would do to someone's individual home to help improve efficiency. Sure. When we look at a home, we look at it from the standpoint of building science. And what are the things that we could do as far as energy conservation measures that would make your home uh, healthier, safer, and more importantly, more operationally efficient? It's very easy to understand that when you save energy, you save money. And I, I say all the time that energy is money. So we look at no cost, low cost, and investment grade measures. A low-cost measure is behavior, the way we look at our homes so when we consider energy efficiency. There are many minor things, most of, most of which your parents uh, chided you about when you were young, 
um, close the door, turn the lights out, and just paying attention to your thermostat are the behavioral, the no-cost things. When we look at low-cost, we would look at measures like insulation, air sealing, and lighting. Bam. Almost every home you walk into, they are lacking in one of those respects. Either the insulation is all or missing, the home has not been sealed and resealed, and the lighting isn't upgraded. So even without having an audit, if a homeowner approaches those two, those three issues, then they're going to make a difference. As a personal note, I just added 12 inches of insulation in my attic. Congratulations. You just added some money to your wallet. I noticed a difference on both my AC and my heat. Bulb. It's amazing. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's so intuitive, but it's hard. For some reason, we still don't embrace that something as simple as insulation saves money and improves the operation of the home and makes a person and a family more comfortable and safer. Well, it's human nature. I think people don't realize buying like an expensive cup of coffee every day eventually costs them way more than if they just did maybe not get the fancy one always, you know. So if trying to save money is kind of a difficult task for almost everybody. Well, you know, that's a good point. And one of the reasons I really love the uh, term energy waste reduction, which Governor Snyder has coined as the standard terminology as opposed to energy efficiency, Efficiency is kind of, um, you know, what what is efficiency? It means doing something better or doing more with less. Everyone understands waste. And when you're reducing waste in energy, you're reducing waste, wasted money. Um, so what other parts do you work with? Obviously, you're doing, you like working, you have like subcontractors work for you, like construction folks, or what do you do? So we are implementation contractors for utilities. Most of the um, energy efficiency or energy waste reduction programs in this country are ratepayer financed, meaning each of us has uh, an energy optimization surcharge that uh, is on our bill every month when we pay for the programs. Many of the utilities hire contractors who specialize in energy efficiency, like Walker Miller Energy Services, to actually implement uh, implement the programs. So the uh, we have energy savings goals, and we have budget goals that we have to meet on behalf uh, of the utility and the public service commission. So how does Michigan rank as a state, like, sort of uh, local, or I should say national level? Michigan has a very low ranking as far as an energy efficient state. And, uh, but many of the cities in Michigan are working to address that. Grand Rapids. Ann Arbor, and I'm proud to say Detroit, are all uh, putting themselves on the sustainability map and making great strides in addressing the aging infrastructure and the issues associated with that. Um, do you do any LEED certified uh, with engineer, or I should say just engineers, but architects? We have um, a LEED certified engineer. And we do work with uh, lead architects. As a matter of fact, we're in the process of designing a net zero building for our headquarters that may or may not be lead certified. Yet lead actually deals with an, an amazing number of factors outside of the building operations. Um, in building science, we like to look at three factors: the shell of the building, the systems of the building, and the behavior of the occupants. Those affect the building the cost of operating the building day in and day out. So I subscribe to more building science principles than lead principles typically.
So just as a, not to give you another elevator speech question, but can you tell folks what lead means and so they understand? Because I think a lot of folks probably are not familiar with the term. Sure. The, the goal of lead is to make sure buildings are um, run efficiently and uh, don't contribute to the carbon footprint unnecessarily. So they consider things like the number of bike racks. Uh, lead certification involves the uh, how close a building is to uh, mass transportation, things that a building owner really can't control. And that's really why I look at building science uh, first and then lead certification as an option. So is there like a factor number, someone that lead certified, like, I don't know who quantifies it, but uh, does someone quantify it? Or is it just like a peer-to-peer -peer thing? No, it's a very well-managed, monitored, monitored, and regulated. It's not peer-to-peer -peer at all. It's a very intense design and uh, uh, regulatory process. Is that industrial, too, or just mainly commercial, or? No, so we're, uh, we are, our focus, our core focus is residential energy waste reduction. Okay. We deal with commercial as well. And when you get into industrial, it's a totally different animal because you're dealing with something as sensitive possibly as manufacturing processes and things that are as important to the operation as the uh, efficiency of the building. So industrial energy efficiency is an animal unto itself. Yes, and I know when I was in the legislature, we worked on, like, I know there were some certain carve-outs for certain industries. Like Hemlock Semiconductor, by the way, because they were making the, uh, the silver squiggly line you see in solar panels at the time. But uh, we should give a shout-out, too, and it's something I was involved with originally, but the Energy Innovation Business Council, and you said you're on their board? I am. Uh, I'm on the board of the Michigan Energy Innovation Business Council. I, I uh, really appreciate that organization. I think it's one of the most effective energy policy entities. Uh, it is the most effective energy policy entity in the state, and it's driven by uh, business owners and innovators, which means it is relevant to the issues and the topics that they uh, broach day in and day out. Are relevant to the businesses and the citizens of the state of Michigan. If you add to that the fact that energy innovators can be huge companies or they can be one and two person operations and all voices need to be heard, it's a, it's a delicate balance that needs to be struck in that organization and in the state and Liesl and the organization they just do a great job. Um, also because we're hosted here by Wayne County Community College District, how much do you involve like sort of employment and helping people like programs here at the college if there's anything that can dovetail into what you're doing? Actually, I was uh, an adjunct instructor for Wayne County Community College District. Uh, I give a shout out there in uh, sustainable design. So um, I know that they are very involved in the sustainability movement. I know that and in addition to that, as a Detroit-based employer, we are dedicated to the citizens of Detroit. We have a commitment to hire by 2021. 70% of our team members should be Detroiters and live in the city of Detroit. And right now we're tracking about 55%. Oh, you're doing well. 
we're doing, uh, we're acceptable. 55% is acceptable. And uh, we started this years ago in an effort to prove that Detroiters can do anything that needs to be done. They are capable. They are uh, available. They are right there where we need them, close to the jobs. And uh, Detroit is open for business. So, um, again, our guest is Carla Walker-Miller. She's the uh, CEO of Walker-Miller Energy Services, limited liability company. Um, another question is, and this is probably more a little bit bigger picture, but I, I, I used to be a city manager at one time, too, and I think a lot of cities, I know you don't do as much commercial, but I think with so much of, like, Amazon going on, there's going to be less and less retail in the future. So... What, what can you do in helping with urban planning, I would think, to like put people either closer to the transportation routes or living above stores like they used to do, or is there any suggestions you guys have? Um, I don't particularly have any suggestions, but the fact is that people are moving close to uh, population centers, period. People want to live and work and play in easily accessible areas with uh, higher concentrations of services. So... I think that, um, again, time and trends are going to take care of that. What our charter is, understanding that 60 to 70% of the energy use in this country is actually consumed by buildings, not by cars. And it behooves us to focus on reducing the energy that's wasted in those buildings. Repeat that statement. I think people have no idea what you just said because people always think of, you know, the gas guzzler's kind of image, but the reality is homes and businesses are way more inefficient. Homes and businesses are incredibly inefficient, and 60 to 70 percent of the energy consumed in this country is actually consumed by buildings. And a more startling fact is, depending on whose numbers you look at, 30 to 40 percent of the energy consumed by buildings is wasted. So the energy waste reduction opportunity is incredible. More important is the, the opportunity to use that money that's being wasted on energy in some other way that makes more sense and can benefit not only families but communities and cities. It's, uh, it's, it's, an, it's an amazing opportunity. So what is coming out there that's in the pipeline that people will be surprised at new products that might be coming out that might make it more efficient? As far as uh, energy is concerned, the most uh, amazing products to me right now are the ones that integrate efficiency with the use of buildings. So uh, automatic sensors, of course. If you think about moving through homes and larger buildings where not just the lighting, but the air conditioning, the heating and cooling systems, air handling systems, everything is based on sensing your the need for that particular uh, system is uh, that could save so much, so much energy. So the uh, the integration of the use of buildings and AI and sensors, uh, our lives are going to going to change. Uh, going to be much more sci-fi like as we walk down halls and lights are coming on and going off. You know, just at to light the area that we want to see or we need to see. So the uh, the way we use energy is just going to be much more intuitive than it is right now. Yeah, I've already seen the pictures where 
there won't be like drywall anymore. It's probably going to be like screens or lights, so it'll be almost ambient versus necessarily direct light. Almost. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and we touched on it a little bit, but I know you said you don't do too much directly with it, but the renewable energy side of it is, uh, if you're obviously on the uh, EIBC board, that's a big topic. I know always in the legislature, they're trying to, is there, do you see any advancements coming in renewable energies at all? Or? So the, the tie between renewable energy and energy waste reduction, renewable energy only works if the load is as small as possible. So before someone installs solar panels or puts a renewable energy a fuel cell on a building, then they're going to make that load as small as possible. So if you're installing a smaller solar system or a smaller fuel cell. So renewable energy is actually totally dependent on energy waste reduction to work well, number one. Renewable energy um, is actually just going to be, it's moving to be to being our norm. It, it's the most uh, disruptive thing going on in our world today. There was a time if you were building a building, the first decision you had to make was uh, call the utility. You still need to call the utility, but it's not necessarily to get energy from the utility. It's to find out what your options are for how you want your energy to be generated and how you want to use that energy and what your relationship with the utility needs to be in order for you to have energy delivered the way you want it delivered. So we're moving toward a totally different uh, world because of renewable energy. So do you envision, like paraphrase what you're saying, do you envision sort of like customized relationships with utility companies? Like you might go on an iPad and you might say, I want to do this with that, like a menu almost. Absolutely. And, and even now we have options. Um, that de depending on the utility, you have the option to have your uh, fuel supplied by a more green, a more sustainable source than uh, whatever the a utilities typical source, but I envision even right now, if you wanted to go into a build a do a green build and be totally disconnected from the utility, there are options to do that. There are complicated options right now in the state of Michigan, uh, more complicated than in some other states, particularly uh, on the west coast. But the options grow every day. You know, I not that I've done it, but I've always been fascinated. But smart homes, right? I, I did I visited the smart home in. Jackson, where consumers need to get a smart home or something yes, out there. I've done, I'm sure it's more advanced than when I was there, but um, I, I still find that as like a barrier for me to get one yet to, to, to kind of, I know you can do it from your phone eventually, but are you, is that what you convert some people to smart homes now? Uh, I don't. Okay. Again, we're, our core, our purpose, our mission is energy waste reduction. And, um, we have uh, we look at it from two two angles. One is giving access to as many jobs as possible in energy waste reduction because energy waste reduction, energy efficiency is one of the fastest growing fields, one of the fastest growing job opportunities on the planet. So employing people, but also retrofitting homes so that we are releasing those uh, the money that is being wasted right now in inefficiency. And do you have a, uh, like, if people want to know more about, I don't know how much you actually inter interact with the actual general public, but is there an email or anything that they could, if they want to get more information on this for their own personal homes, how, would you, how can we steer them toward that? 
if they want information for their personal homes about energy efficiency in general. So for more information on our company, we're at WMEnergy.com. I would also encourage people to visit the websites of their local utilities. Every utility in the state of Michigan has information about energy efficiency and ways to save energy and save money on your home or your business or wherever. If you're a customer that has a meter, then there's information about how to save money on your bill. And primarily for our catchphrase in Southeast Michigan, it's either going to be either DTE or consumers probably, right? No, that's not true. There are um, DTE and consumers and dozens of local utilities. Uh, smaller utilities, yeah. right? Uh, smaller utilities uh, scattered all over the state. Yeah, we have co-ops, I know, further up north. Yeah, yeah work with those. Um, so we're in the last few minutes here, but I didn't know if there's anything else you wanted to mention. I know you've mentioned you're on civil boards. You've mentioned EIBC. You've mentioned... Gaming Commission, and you've mentioned something else. Uh, the, are you in any other boards that I've missed? Uh, I'm the local chapter president of the American Association of Blacks in Energy. Oh, okay. And uh, we do a lot of work with Michigan EIBC, but we were formed in the 70s to give minority populations a voice in the important energy discussions that were occurring way back then and are even more important today. Another question, and I know... Um, we touched on it a little bit, but uh, how does your hire, hiring philosophy work? How do you choose people to come work for you? I know you're shooting for that 70% goal, but what is sort of the filter that you use to get through that? Yeah, it's really important to us to hire for character and train for skill. We want a really positive culture, and it's not aspirational. It's like right now. And the best way to have a positive culture is to have good people who are positive people. We can train people to do just about anything that needs to be done if we're um, operating with goodwill and all rolling the same way. So it, uh, it seems to really be working well for our company. I want everyone out there that wants to go into human resources to hear what she said is hire for character, trade skills, because in this economy, that's the number one thing. So many people can maybe find someone that has a skill set, but they usually get let go or they don't work out. As a personality. The biggest surprise of my 18-year-old business ownership has been the number of talented people, technically talented people, who have been difficult to work with, and, uh, and it's uh, stressful. Oh, yeah. I've had to hire and fire people, and it's the hardest part of the job always. And you still have problems with a company of good people, but the uh, issues are, are different. The solutions are different. The uh, flexibility is there as long as everyone's trying to do the right thing. And I would imagine chemistry, too, with the homeowners, and that's got to be a big factor because these are all salespeople almost, too, in a way. It's so important to honor people when you are in their home, when you're in their private spaces. And when you're sending people of good character into the home, the, uh, the experience for the homeowner is it's a totally different one. Yeah, you can have a totally different person sell you something, and if you have an inefficient person show up at the house, you'll never get repeat business. <laughs> so, and I know we talked about this a little bit off mic, but uh, I know you come from a relatively large family, and I would imagine in that family you probably have some mentors, but you probably got professional mentors as well. Anything you want to elaborate on that? Um, my um, being uh, number eight of 12 kids, my older siblings were 
my unofficial mentors and uh, always will be. But in my uh, professional life, I've never had an official mentor. And I have the bruises to show that. And I encourage everyone, if you have the opportunity to have a mentor, uh, recruit a mentor if you must. But uh, have people that you can talk to, fellowship with, and just uh, discuss your career path and things that are happening. Because it's, uh, I find it very helpful. And I'm, I'm looking at it from the perspective of being a mentor to other people and the value that I know. Uh, I know what brings to them. And some of my friends who have been most successful and don't have quite the same number of scars uh, much of their, some of their success was actually facilitated by having the right mentors. You know, and that, another good issue for HR people to listen to, but sometimes mentors can be objective, someone that's in a formal capacity, and sometimes it can be subjective. People that you sort of almost subliminally have picked up cues from, and then you go to them more and more. And I think that's, when people are listening out there, it's your students, you know, that's the kind of thing they should hone in on is that it doesn't have to be something formal. It doesn't. Sometimes your best people are informal. Absolutely. And people want the best for other people. I mean, it sounds uh, obvious, but most of the people that you ask for help want to help. That's just the way it works. Everyone wants to make the planet better than when they can. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, on behalf of uh, Michigan, we welcome you now. You know you're from Tennessee. (laughs) And uh, we Thank you and welcome. You only took you, what, 20 years to do to make the groove here, so we're glad to have you here, but you're doing a great job, it sounds like, over there. Once again, our guest is Carl Walker-Miller. She's the president and CEO of Walker-Miller Energy Services, and uh, she's been great with us, and thanks for coming on the show today. Thank you. I appreciate you. Yeah. All right. Good. Glad to hear that. Thank you for listening to Wayne County Community College District's Critical Conversations podcast with host Ed Clementi. We hope you enjoyed the show. To listen to other exciting episodes, log on to the college's website at www.wccd.edu and look for the podcast button located on the homepage. The views, information, or opinions expressed during the Wayne County Community College District's Critical Conversations podcast series are solely those of the individuals involved and are not reflective of this institution. The Wayne County Community College District shall not be held responsible for the misuse or reuse of this podcast series and shall not be liable for any damage resulting from the irregularity, inaccuracy, or use of information presented.